You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. We're really glad that you're here. Of course, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a reality and a blessing that we reflect on every day. Uh, Every Sunday when we gather, this is a reality and blessing that we enjoy, that Christ is alive. He intercedes for us. He's conquered death and He didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. And yet today on Easter, it is with this one voice that we dwell our hearts and our minds and our affections on the wonderful blessing that Christ truly is alive. Not metaphorically, not in a sense of a metaphor or analogy, not sentimentally, but he truly is alive, bodily, resurrected. And he will come back again one day. I want to put up a word on the screen that is going to come no surprise to you about what today is about, right? Resurrection. Resurrection. Jesus is alive. It's not much of a surprise to you that this is where we're dwelling our hearts on today. Um, Jesus truly died. He truly was buried, and he is alive today. And when we join this word, though, with maybe several other words, I think it enhances what really it means that Jesus is alive. If you look at some of these other words that might join resurrection, you see that a greater, more expanded understanding of what does it mean that Christ has resurrected. It means renewal. It means restoration. It means redemption. It means reconciliation. It means recovery. Even the word recreation, to recreate, to be restored, to be reconciled, to reverse. And all of these words... you probably notice, have something in common. It's that prefix, that R-E prefix. It means to return to something good that has been damaged or lost. These are all biblical words. All of these words with this R-E prefix are biblical words and concepts because of the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm, I'm sure as we reflect on the resurrection this morning and reflect on all the other words up here this morning, we'll begin to see the real blessing of what it means that Jesus is alive. To be reconciled to another person is to be once friends and then having become enemies or disconnected with that person to be rejoined in fellowship with that person. To resurrect is to become dead, having been once alive, to die and then to become alive again. To redeem is to buy back something that's been taken from you that once belonged to you and is now in your possession again. To repair is to bring something back to its original intended functioning purpose. Watching that repair shop store uh, uh, show on Amazon Prime, you see that? It was a couple years ago we got new carpet in our house. Uh, because the original carpet that was in there was put in there by the previous owners. We moved in. That was one of the first things we wanted to do. But it took us several years to do that. And I was working at home that day, as most people were doing about a year, year and a half ago. And I'm there alone with the installers and talking with them. And, and they have, between them, these two people had 50 years of installations uh, experience. 50 years combined of carpet installation. And one of them had 27 years. They've been doing this for 27 years, just every day, going to people's homes and putting in new carpet. And still there seemed to be such joy and and excitement and enthusiasm in the work. And I, 
And I asked him as I was just watching them and talking with them throughout the day, I said, what is it most that you love about this job to be doing it for so long? And he said, I just love it when homeowners stay home and kind of hang over my shoulder and talk all day about what's going on. No, that's, that's not what he said. <laughs> like, okay, I get, I get the point. <sighs> Don't you love that? He said, he said, every job is a new opportunity to make something old and worn out brand new. And I just was so struck by that. It's something so mundane, something that can, a job that you maybe think, I, I got to do this again. I got to do this for 27 years, day after day after day. And yet there was purpose there. There was inspiration there. There was meaning there because it was taking something old and bringing it back to its intended purpose. Restoration is inspiring. Taking something that was once good, new, perfect, and it becoming destroyed and bringing it back to its intended purpose is inspiring. Flip that house, right? Fixer upper, the repair shop, I said, flipper flop, property brothers. They're not making any shows about people just going into a house on the market and just buying it. That's like a completely normal house. It's these restoration shows that are inspiring. Pimp My Ride, they don't have that anymore. It, it all started with that. Wasn't that exhibit or something? Yeah, it goes in, takes this junker of a car, makes it perfect. That's how it all started. And we try to do it ourselves with, with, our, with our own bodies, right? We, we seek restoration through vacation, through manicures, pedicures. We do it through spas and we seek greater income and whatever, whatever can make our life more reconciled, restored, redeemed, recreational. Those are the things that we pursue. That's what we want in life. Golf. I never quite understood that. That's not a restoration. That's not a, that's not a relaxing thing for me. I've heard that it is for some. Much in our world is broken and much in our life is broken. And we are hardwired to want to be restored. We're hardwired to want to live in an existence that is at peace. And we try in so many ways to find that. And we're not promised paradise regained in this life. And we try to seek it in so many ways. But the empty tomb and the resurrection of Jesus guarantees that a return to a condition that was once had but lost will come again. And our hearts, our souls, our whole existence, we are hardwired to desire that. And that's what makes us long for it. That's what makes us long for a better life that we have. When something goes bad, when something breaks in our life, in our hearts, in our relationships, in our world, that's what makes us want to say there has to be a better way. It's because God has made us for that. Every couple years, the font on my notes gets a little bit bigger. I noticed that today. I was like, okay, time to upgrade. <laughs> time to make everything breaks. And we are longing for restoration. See, Jesus is on a restoration course with every one of his people, with every single one of us. He is on a renewal, restoration, reconciliation, resurrection course with every single one of us. And because of the resurrection, we're given this, this picture in the Bible for what awaits those who put their trust in Jesus. Our hearts long for it. It's not guaranteed in this life, but we are given a picture in Scripture for what it will look like, and we are called to place our hope and our trust in the promises of God. 
And all of it true because of the resurrected Christ. Let's turn our attention to our passage for this morning. We're going to go all the way to the end in Revelation chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, you can join me or follow along on the screen. Reading the first few verses in Revelation 21, here is what God's word says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said also, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. One of Jesus' closest friends in all of the earth, the apostle John, is confronted by the angel of God and told to write down this description of the life that awaits those who put their trust in Jesus. Three things we are told. A new home awaits us, a new closeness with God, and a new present reality for those who wait in faith. Let's think about this new home that is described for us in God's word. The resurrected Jesus, who has been made new, is making all things new. He says, I'm making all things new. The old will pass away and the new will come. And one of the things that will be made new is our home, our city, where we live. We're not going to go back to the Garden of Eden, but we're in fact going to go to a more perfect home, a perfect home for God's people. You ever seen those articles, you know, uh, top 10 most livable cities in the world? Nothing's going to compare to this. What will await us in our new home? It will be the cleanest city we've ever known. It will have the best food and the best wine. It will have parties that will never end. It will be filled with people who don't conspire against one another to exploit one another for their own gain, but it will be filled with people who conspire with one another to seek how to glorify God and enjoy him more. There will be no politics or broken promises or primary elections ever again. There will be no 24-hour newscasts. None of that will exist. There will be no tornadoes or hurricanes or haboobs. Or, there will be none of that. No natural disasters or talks of climate change or chaos of, of any kind in this new home. No smog, no allergies due to pollution or pollen. In fact, not just the absence of chaos, there will be no tears no sadness, no mourning, no pain of any kind in this new home. Can you imagine that? 
no temptation, no need to stand firm in your faith because it is challenged all the time. Loving God and enjoying him will be the most natural thing that you ever know in this new home. And right now we're, we're cut off from that kind of home. We're exiles of a future home. We're kind of strangers. We're not between two worlds as much as we are kind of living in two worlds. We, are, we live in this world that is broken and yet we are called citizens of heaven of a, a new world that is to come. It will come to all who have taken hold of Christ in this new and perfect home. It won't matter if you're born in Tucson or Nogales or Guatemala or Hong Kong or Russia or Vietnam. People from Yuma will even be there. It's going to be a marvelous... (laughs) Sorry. If you're from Yuma, please come back. (laughs) The resurrection of Jesus gives hope that there will be an expiration of everything that makes us weep in this world. When people are suffering, there's often the question of, will it ever get better? And we have, because of the promises of God, because of the resurrection of Jesus, the answer is absolutely. We, have, we often talk about all good things must come to an end. That's not true. The best is yet to come. Something to think about. The resurrection of Jesus gives hope to the reality of a new home. What do you look forward to most about this new home? This new home with no suffering and no tears, no crying, no mourning of any kind at all. No temptation, but enjoying God is the most natural thing. I'm sure we could fill pages with the things we look forward to. Jesus has promised that for, for us. This, in this city, it's not the focus of the city and the perfection of the city that is the main focus in this passage, but, but he who inhabits this new home of ours is here at the climax of this passage. This new closeness with God will be ours in this new resurrected world with the resurrected Christ, with our new resurrected lives. Look at verse 3 again that we've already read, but look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. We often think of salvation. We think of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ often purely in terms of salvation, kind of like a get-out-of-hell card that we get to go to heaven when we die. And it is that. And what a wonderful blessing that it is that we have the forgiveness of sins because of Jesus. But it is more than salvation. It is more than salvation. It is restoration. It is renewal. It is recreation, recreation. Our understanding of the benefits of God's work in Jesus must go on, must go beyond just this fact of our sins being forgiven The Bible is so much more than just a story about how a person is saved. The Bible speaks of this forever relationship with God that is not an escape from the bad things of the world merely, but where human life in all of its relational closeness with God is restored. There will be a moment where you do not know what it's like to feel distant from God. That's not a present reality for us. We often feel a distance with God at times. 
due to our sin, due to conflict, due to suffering. Suffering has a way of making us feel that God is far. There's a time coming where closeness with God will be the only thing that you know. Relationship with him, with a resurrected Christ, will be your only focus and most purest joy. If you've been joined to Christ through faith, then you are in fellowship with him. And yet even even so, Jesus dwells within us. We are told he dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. But we still continue to long for that day when that connection, that communion, that closeness with God is realized in the most immediate and perfect sense. Sometimes the pain of this world is so difficult that we just want to be with God. We want to escape the world and just be with him, longing for him. But other times the pain of this world is so difficult that our heart wanders from God and we drift from God and we become more tied to the world. But a day is coming, we're told, that when we will hear this loud voice of God that says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with you and I will be with you forever and nothing will take me away. And you will be with me forever and nothing will take you away. There will no longer be any kind of relating to God from a distance. It'll be face to face. Can you imagine what that will be like? No more hesitant approach to God because of the memory of your sin. No more fear no more confusion as to his affection for you, wondering if he really loves you truly or not. But in his presence, it will feel like the most natural thing that you have ever felt. And you will feel, this is why I was created, to be this close to God in perfect peace. And here's the real interesting part about it, how this will come about. It's amazing that this happens, but this little detail in here is how will this all come about? It will come to us graciously as an act of God to us, not of our own doing, but because of the kindness of God. Do you see this in verse 5, what he says? He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. It is done. The beginning and to the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life. How? Without payment. Without payment, this new home, this new closeness with God, this new reality of peace, not the result of human effort at all, but the gracious hand of God pouring out his presence and love on his people forever. This new reality will not be because of our character or our moral record, but on the gospel promises of God. You see, the default of our human heart is to find salvation through the, the, the should and shouldn'ts of our life. I should be better. I really shouldn't do that. I, I really should master my sin, and I should be a better Christian. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't be that kind of person. I should be more like this person. And we think about our future home with the future closeness of God that is dependent on us and our shoulds and shouldn'ts. Are you a Christian today because you sorted out your life or are you a Christian today because you put your faith in Jesus who loved you and gave himself for you? 
Bible says the only way that we have this new home with this new closeness and this new reality is because God has given us something, namely himself, and we couldn't pay for it. And we don't have to pay for it. One of our most fundamental mistakes that a person can make is to look to rules to find life. To do this, to do that. We don't earn God's love. We don't deserve God's love, but love is exactly what God has given to us through Jesus. God gave us the law. We couldn't, t- we couldn't receive the law. We could not obey the law. We couldn't live up to the law as God commanded us. And so he sent his son, who was able to obey the law perfectly, who did obey the law perfectly, who lived a sinless life, the life that we were supposed to live but failed to live. And he died a sacrificial death, taking the guilt and sins of his people on himself. And he truly died, nailing our sins to the cross. And because he was perfect without sin, sin could not hold him. Death could not hold him. He rose again from the grave in triumph. And that payment of his death, instead of our death because of sin, God received as payment for our debt. It satisfied the anger and wrath of God. It satisfied the punishment for our sins. So all who receive Jesus through faith, trusting in his sacrifice for us, God receives us. He receives us as if we never sinned. He looks at us with the full affection that he looks at his son. Imagine that, the love that he pours out on his son, the love that he has for Jesus, the affection that he has with Jesus, the heart that beats for Jesus from the Father is the same love and affection that he gives to us because of Jesus. We don't earn God's love, but God looks at us in our helpless state. He makes provision for our weaknesses. He sends Jesus. This means that we can come to God And we can say, God, I am not faithful. God, I am not that Christian that I should be. God, I am not the Christian that I want to be. God, I am not the one, I am not someone who feels worthy of all of your love. I'm not even trustworthy. I don't even know myself that well. But I trust in Jesus who succeeded where I fail every single day, who died the death I deserve to die who rose again to give me life. And the great promise is this. I will be their God and they will be my people. The resurrection of Jesus gives hope to the reality of a new closeness with God. Where there is no memory of our sin and any of the things that kept us at length from God. And it changes how we live today. This changes our present reality, doesn't it? And this is where our passage takes us. Not only do we have a new home and a new closeness with God, but the hope of this that is to come gives us a new present reality for those who wait in faith. If you're entering college, you want to be a doctor. That will shape what major you take, what classes you enroll in, how hard you work in your classes because you need to get good grades to get into med school to be a good doctor. If you know you're coming to some large sum of inheritance, that will change the way you view your life. It'll change the way you view your present financial situation. And verse 7 says, The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. God has never given up on his people, and he never will. 
What would it look like to live in light of that? Every suffering and struggle that you encounter today has an expiration date. What would it look like to live in light of that? The distance that you now feel from God will be replaced by pure and complete and ceaseless closeness. He promises it. How does that affect the way that you live today? God refuses to surrender. He refuses to give up. He owns the universe and everything in it. He says, all is mine, and it is for you an inheritance. It is for you, your destiny, your heritage. You will be known not by your sins or your weaknesses or your failures. You will be known by the affection and love that God reserves for you that will be fully yours one day. Human life in all its relational and creational context will be renewed because Jesus is alive today. And it's not only future, it is actually already begun. Because of the resurrection, what we see, this promised hope, this future hope in renewal of life crashed into the present reality. When Jesus rose from the grave, He broke the timeline of history, which says new life happens in the future. When he was resurrected, that future hope broke into the timeline of our present life and said, you can have it now. New life, new closeness with God, forgiveness of sins. You can wait with this hope and this hope will transform your life. Because it is a guarantee, his resurrection is a guarantee of the future and full inheritance that is to come. Oh, good. I thought I had something. You've seen these before, right? These little sample spoons from Frost. I love the square ones. You go into Frost, you want some gelato. That's your goal. My hope is gelato. Follow me here. And they have the sample spoons out. And you say, can I taste the stracciatella? Yeah, I want to, I want to taste that. No one, t- no one tastes that one. But if you did, I want, to, I want that one. That's the one I want to taste. And you taste it. You know, last year was, it was so weird. It's like you go in and they didn't have any tasters, right? So weird. You didn't know what to do. It's like going to the bathroom without your phone. And anyway, it's like, <clears throat> I'm sorry. It's Easter. Feeling mischievous. And you go in and you get a taster. Here's the question. Did you have gelato? Have you had gelato? Well, yes, but, but no, like that, that's not what you were coming in for. That wasn't, the, that wasn't the big dessert. That wasn't the ultimate hope. You came in for stracciatella and, and you got a taste of it, but you're not satisfied. You, you, you need that, that full portion. So the answer is, well, yes, you have, but only in the sense of a taste. The resurrection for us is a taste, a foretaste, of a future hope that has been guaranteed and promised to us. And Jesus, who is alive today, he said, I will send a helper who will give you strength, who will give you new life. He will join you to me in in peace and in love forever. But it it is only a guarantee of what is to come. We are not meant to have paradise renewed in this life. If we're basing our hope and our joy on things getting better in this life, then we are, we are the most insecure. It will not happen, but Jesus says it will come. 
The restored kingdom has come and is yet to come. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection ushered in a hope for both the present and future participation in the grace of God. Christ has purchased our healing, but we still groan in sickness and agony. Christ has passed from death to life, and yet we still die. We have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to obey, and yet we continue to rebel and sin against God every day in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds. We've been forgiven of our sins, but we still have to confess our sins and ask for forgiveness. We still, we still fail. We are citizens of the kingdom of God, but now we must submit to the earthly patterns that God has given to us. Every blessing of the age to come is already ours in Christ. And yet we come into this inheritance patiently, gradually, slowly. But it is assured for us. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, you and I are given a guarantee that sin and all of its effects will be removed. No death, no pain, no fears, no frustration. It will forever give way to God's restoration, his renewal, his resurrection, his recreation. And that ought to give meaning to your present reality. That ought to inform your present struggle. It ought to inform your hope, your witness. It ought to inform the manner in which you live and how you feel throughout the day. We're not surprised when things break. We don't give up hope when things are painful. We are shaped because of the promise of God. Be comforted. Be comforted by this hope. Be shaped by his grace. Be expectant of that restful closeness with God because of the resurrection.